0: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Mystery To Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane.
1: And I'm Kevin Greenlee.
0: And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery To Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more.
1: Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time.
0: If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases, exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry.
1: If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey, so as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it.
0: Spoiler alert, we're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious.
1: What did we watch?
0: We just watched Glass Onion, a 2022 film from director Ryan Johnson, starring, of course, Daniel Craig, and a a slew of other celebrities. It's uh, the sequel to his previous film, Knives Out. This is all sort of kind of a uh, kind of an Agatha Christie type mystery series about a kind of a quirky detective goes around and. Gets involved in all sorts of mysterious hijinks. Right. Living the life. Living the life. Always in ex- kind of fancy locales. So I think, you know, we w- we both enjoyed Knives Out, and I think we were excited to see this as well. Glass Onion. Of course, a Beatles reference in the...
1: And you you are the Beatles expert in this well, I house. Wouldn't, I
0: wouldn't say I'm an expert. But...
1: In this house, you're the Beatles expert.
0: Yeah, I know more than you. Uh, Glass Glass Onion was a song that they wrote uh, basically making fun of uh, fans and the media's reading so much into every single lyric to find hidden meaning about drugs and, oh, Paul McCartney died, and then we had to replace him with some other guy to wait keep the, a minute, keep wait the a fantasy minute. going.
1: Paul McCartney died? Yeah.
0: Paul is dead. No, he didn't. It was just a silly... Rumor, people in the same... you know, we think about you know conspiracy theories and dumb theories about celebrities as being a you know a completely modern phenomenon, but you know,
1: See, let me let, let us talk about that for a second. There was one thing that always baffled me about this Paul is dead business. Uh, people claimed they saw clues on album covers and in songs that Paul McCartney had died, and had been replaced, and it was like sweeping some subcultures, and then uh paul mccartney just goes on the radio and says guess what i'm not dead and everybody says oh okay and they move on but if he was dead wouldn't the imposter have just said i'm not dead i
0: don't know if everyone moved on i think a bunch of hippies were still rolling with it for a while so i I don't know that everyone so what what do you think
1: was the big nail in the coffin of paula's dead
0: do you want to know my Actual thought? Yes, that's what we. No, I, I want you to I make mean, something up for. Well, laughs. I mean, the band broke up, right? So if the if Wait minute, the
1: Beatles broke up, they
0: broke up. They broke up, and I. I mean, I'm sorry to let you know this way. If you're finding out, but I mean, if the whole lie is predicated on they need to keep some Paul version around to keep the band going, and the band breaks up. And that guy doesn't be like, Wow, well, okay, so my name's actually uh Jack. And I mean, what what would be the point? You know, I just think I I don't know. I don't know that much about that stuff because I always found it kind of stupid, but
1: you I know, found it fascinating. The most interesting thing about the Beatles.
0: Fuck you. But yeah, it's uh Glass Onion's not my favorite song. But I was What in- is your favorite song? I'm not gonna tell you. You've just insulted the Beatles. You don't deserve my pearls of Beatles wisdom.
1: No, but I, I help. Sergeant Pepper's Losing the Sky with Diamonds. A Day in the Life. Strawberry Fields Forever. Jesus Christ. The Ballad of John and Yoko.
0: That's a dope song.
1: Is that your favorite? That might be my favorite. I knew I'd get it.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's one of my favorites. And I like the Beatles. I like that they I like I like the image of a glass onion so I, I was I was excited when I found out that this was going to be the title cuz I was like yeah we got some got some Beatles reference references in here and we're going to see where it goes. And then I was really excited when I found it was going to be all on like a Greek island because yeah that that because that's cool. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about the the movie's premise?
1: Uh, we see Daniel Craig in a bathtub talking to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's
0: one of his squad. I love that. He's got Kareem in the squad. Got a few other famous faces too. Some One of your favorites.
1: Steven Sondheim, one yeah. of your favorites. Uh, Angela, Angela Lansbury. Lansbury.
0: And then that lady from Russian Doll. <laughs> and they're all chatting with him. He's all depressed. He's kind of like Sherlock Holmes. He gets depressed in between cases. And uh, he's he's trying to figure out what to do. And then he and a bunch of other people get a mysterious box.
1: Which is basically a a billionaire inviting them to this Greek island to play uh, a game where he'll uh, pretend to get murdered.
0: Yeah. And it's all of these guys are like his inner circle, essentially. So it's just like, you know, this one lady's a politician. Uh, Kate Hudson is this kind of airheaded actress slash sweatpants uh manufacturer who is very controversial um uh uh, aaron burr from hamilton is uh the kind of like the scientist behind this guy's company and then there's like a a a guy who's like a men's rights activist youtuber
1: so we're we're assuming if you're if you're listening to this you've already seen it so there's all spoilers.
0: Yeah, we're going to do all spoilers, as okay, we say so, in the top of the show.
1: So one thing I didn't understand is he sends an invitation to his party to a woman he knows to be dead.
0: Who, of course, is uh, Janelle Munai.
1: He knows because he killed her. He
0: killed her. He sends it to her. Would that just be because that is a bit of a if the if the police ever do look into it he could say well I sent her I, I didn't even know she was dead at this point and I always sent her an invitation she would have been on this list every year so I sent it again maybe we could make up and it's just kind of part part of his alibi and like, also if he if he didn't send it to her maybe he'd worry that looked like he knew she was dead
1: well also why would he send it to her because they were just in a fiery court battle where all of his friends perjured themselves to testify against her on his behalf. So why would he then invite her to a party with all the friends who had done that?
0: Maybe she he just wanted to see what she was gonna do. Play some mind games.
1: Yeah, I just I, I just I just found that I don't, know. Uh,
0: I, I don't I don't I don't think about these things too much. I'm just I'm really cruising based on vibes.
1: What were your vibes?
0: They were positive. They were pretty positive. They were, uh, you know, like, it was just a fun little movie. I always feel like these kinds of movies, these mysteries, they're much more fun on the buildup than the kind of the climax. Once everything comes into focus, you're just like, okay, well, okay, fine, I guess. But in the buildup, you're like, all right, here we fucking go. We're going to solve the mystery. So that was that was a similar feeling with Knives Out where I was, like, very into it. And then, like, you know, kind of lost me along the way. I don't quite know why, but I still enjoyed the ride.
1: Yeah, It did one of these things where it tells us uh, a story, and then, like, uh, there's a point where it uh, then goes back and revisits previous events from a different perspective, giving you more information.
0: Which is what Knives Out did as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's a fun setting. It's kind of a zippy film. I enjoyed the humor in it. There's a lot of humor in it. Uh, a lot of commentary about, you know, fucking rich people. <laughs> which we can all we can all nod along to. <laughs> um And of course I, I find Daniel Craig and his foghorn leghorn accent delightful. So love that.
1: Do you want to talk about some of the, uh, other, uh, people in the movie? Some of the, uh, uh, you mentioned, uh, her name is Janelle.
0: Yeah. Janelle Manai. She's a, she's a singer and a rapper and she's also an actor. And, uh, she plays, uh, Ed Norris, right? Is the billionaire guy.
1: Yeah. Ed Norton.
0: Ed, Ed Norton. So Ed Norton is the billionaire guy and he, he and her were partners and in this in this company, and so then he kind of he screwed her over. And It's interesting enough for you, Kevin. It kind of all hinges on an intellectual property case. You know that's your, that's your that's your jam.
1: I enjoy a good intellectual property story. Were
0: you nodding along and like, yes, this is how it works? <laughs> was, yeah. that, was it a realistic one?
1: Uh, it it involved who created a specific. System. Uh, It involved who created the specific system, but who drew it first on a cocktail napkin. But the thing is, I can say, I can write something on a cocktail napkin and say, Anya, I want you to take this cocktail napkin on which I've written Perpetual Motion Machine and go out and create a Perpetual Motion Machine. And then, even though it's my idea, if you're the one that actually goes and does the work of developing it, you know, maybe you own it because maybe my idea isn't all that great. Well,
0: my question would be what would happen if like it's in dispute which one of us drew it, but we both did it together setting it up.
1: If we both did it together setting it up when we both own it.
0: I don't know, you're the lawyer.
1: Uh it all involves whatever contracts and stuff they had.
0: Ah, okay. There you go. But yeah, it hinges on an intellectual property dispute. He screws her over. And so then she comes and you kind of think, Oh, maybe she's coming to the Island to get revenge. One thing I kept on thinking while we were watching this was this is a much vet, much, much, much better version of the Kenneth Branagh adaptation of death on the Nile. They're both, uh, sort of seaside mysteries in sunny, interesting locales, uh, ancient locales actually, because it's like Greece versus Egypt. And, You know, and it's about kind of eccentric rich people doing their thing, and then a bunch of uh, doing their thing, and then a bunch of interlopers are there trying to. You know, they all want something from the rich person, but they also have a bunch of vendettas. And this was definitely the superior movie. Definitely, that was freaking weak, and it had some funny moments for sure, kind of inadvertently. But but this one's the better version. Just felt more compelling. Felt more interesting. I laughed a lot. You know, I had a good time.
1: Uh, and as far as we know, there was no one in this movie who had been uh, plausibly accused of cannibalism.
0: <laughs> yes, and nobody threw champagne over the boat saying enough champagne to fill the Nile. <laughs> well, this is a great line, though. Um, yeah, so
1: Ryan Johnson's a great storyteller. Uh, very you're a big witty. Ryan
0: Johnson groupie, aren't you?
1: uh he tells his stories with charm and uh wit
0: yeah and and yet a lot of his movies a part of them leave me quite cold and I don't I don't quite know why that is like I can respect this I can respect the skill with which he tells this story but sometimes it just doesn't quite get there well, for, me. for me
1: the ending of this was unsatisfying yeah because See, he's like the
0: opposite of Looper. I, I really didn't like a lot of Looper, and then the ending, I was like, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, he solves the case and then says, well, there's nothing more I can do. We can't get this person in court. And so he hands his client some explosive and says, you just do whatever you want to do. And he walks out, and then she goes crazy. There's lots of explosions, and then she walks out and sits next to him and says, we got him. <laughs> That's pretty weak.
0: Yeah. I mean like I don't know. I'm I'm all about in this case, she has the emotional stakes that this guy killed her sister and, and destroyed her sister. So like I get I, I get having her be like the, the sledgehammer essentially and doing that. But it definitely felt like Benoit LeBlanc didn't really help her that much at all. He just basically was like, I'll come along with you on a Greek vacation while you do all the work. So basically, yeah, so uh, uh, Janelle Monae is playing a, tw- a twin. She's, like, there. this woman who was, uh, she was, like, this inventor, and she got killed by Ed Norton, and then she had a sister who's just, like, this kind of average teacher in Alabama who wants, you know, wants to prove that her sister was murdered rather than, you know, that she committed suicide. So she comes in and pretends to be her sister because the uh, the idea is that no one else knows the sister is dead. They've been able to keep it out of the media for now until, um, you know, only the killer will know that she's not really her sister. So she kind of comes into it, and, you know, she kind of ends up kind of doing a lot of the footwork on this. Like, she's running around. She's taking notes. She kind of figures it out, and but Wolf Long's just kind of like... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Didn't something like that kind of also happen in Knives Out, though? Didn't, didn't like, uh, didn't like the lady he was helping in that end up doing a lot of the footwork? He just takes all the credit.
1: So he's got a pretty good racket going. Yeah, he's
0: got a little racket going. He's like, I'll, I'll kind of like look, I'll kind of look like I know what I'm doing while the, uh, the other characters figure it all out for me. But, um, but, yeah, so she ends up, she destroys the Mona Lisa. That's a flaw point, point. And um, I guess that's implied that's going to take him down, that he, that, you know, the Mona Lisa was destroyed under his watch. By her. But everyone else says that they're going to testify against him, so <laughs> all the kind of people who perjured her sister kind of turn around and say that they're going to... Um, you know, go on her side now because they're very trustworthy, obviously.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has
0: seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
1: Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness.
0: He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com/cashback debit. Discover Bank Member FDIC.
1: So if you meet Benoit Blanc tomorrow and he says, "I want your advice on how to do a podcast." Do you think he'd have a good true crime yeah, podcast? Yeah, he'd
0: be great. People would listen to him. He's like this genial southern man with a with a wacky accent and he has like all these celebrity friends that he could bring on to like guest star. You know, he could really he could really frankly he could he could do a low effort podcast and do numbers, you know, just like what we do right here.
1: Oh yeah, because we do fantastic numbers. The numbers.
0: That's why we keep doing it. Um yeah, he'd be great. He'd be he'd be he'd be one of the the greats of the podcasting arts. (laughs) I just want to say though, I mean one thing that I really, I love these movies that they're kind of just doing some some like they're not attached. I mean, like I know this is a sequel of Knives Out, but it's like not some massive blockbuster franchise thing. It just they they feel like real movies, and I I just I enjoy them a lot. Even even if some of the twists kind of leave me being like, huh, like I just they have a lot of heart to them, and I like that a lot.
1: So you're looking forward to seeing this franchise continue?
0: Yeah. I know. I think they're at least going to do one more, you said, right?
1: Yeah. You even were pitching uh, what you think uh, the third one should be about.
0: Well, I don't want, I don't know what, I mean, I wouldn't deign to say what it was about, but I think it should be set in a snowy locale because the first one was kind of like a misty kind of fall vibes. This one was all like a kind of summer vibes, and I think winter vibes would be great, like a ski lodge. Oh my god! Something
1: like the Alps, perchance? Fucking
0: the Alps, the Rockies, some mountain somewhere. We'd all have a blast.
1: <laughs> you like cold mysteries?
0: I like a cold mystery. I like to I like to look out and look at the snow and think, ah, you could see the footsteps going into the house, but not out of the house.
1: So what, what is, I'm not really familiar with it. What What are some good cold mysteries?
0: No, I mean, I don't know. There aren't a lot, I'm sure. But I'm just, out. that's the cold vibe I want. I want a cozy vibe. I want a cold vibe.
1: Would it work if he like came to Indianapolis in December?
0: No, because Indianapolis is nowhere chic enough for this franchise. I'm sorry. I think it's pretty cold here. Yeah, but it's not chic. It's not chic. It's not cool. It's not aspirational. Sorry,
1: babe. What about Carmel? Carmel, Indiana.
0: Oh, God. He's got to go somewhere cool that people want to go. Uh,
1: what about Westchester, New York?
0: I mean, I I just, he already, they already kind of did that with the first Knives right. Out. And the next one's got to be something, got to be something cool. This one kind of almost got a little sci-fi because it was all this dispute over this new fuel they were going to use. It blows up really badly. Geez. No, I'm, I'm excited to see another one. For you, what, was the, what were the strengths and weaknesses?
1: I thought there was too much humor. Uh, I thought, as I said, the uh, ending where he gives her an explosive and says, hey, do what you want to do. And he goes and waits outside for her while she blows the place up, including incinerating a priceless work of art. Uh, I thought that was pretty weak.
0: Yeah, I felt like they kind of ran out of ideas there. I was glad they didn't kill her off, though, because at one point you think she's dead. And I was like, wow, he brought this poor woman, made her do all of this work, and then she got shot for all her troubles. (laughs) That's not right.
1: So I was glad that that was the case. What do you think he would be like in the real world? Oh,
0: he'd get canceled immediately, you know? Like, also, like, I mean, crime isn't, like, I mean, haven't we learned from, like, several high-profile examples that I won't name that, like, like, just because you solve one crime doesn't mean you can come in and work your magic a second time. It, like, requires, it's not, like, repeatable, necessarily.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious, can you think, uh, you know a lot about true crime? Are you aware of any figure no. who is not uh, a member of the police or a law enforcement agency who like travels around uh, solving crimes like Scooby Doo or Benoit? No,
0: and I know people who try to act like they do, but they're all fucking frauds. And if you pay them, they'll say what you want. What you want them to, and that's what Benoit Blanc would be. He'd be the guy going and being like, "Oh, Ed Norton, you know." What do you want me to say? Essentially, surely this must have been, uh, you know, not you. So I, you can't, you know, like there's that's why there's no that's there's no market for that. Like it's just, it isn't, it, it, sleuths would all be corrupted. I'm sorry, that's just the way the world works, and that's why they're really fun in fiction. But if you see anyone trying to do this in real life, you you run, <laughs> run. Don't let Benoit interview you on his fucking podcast. You know, one minute one minute you're uh, you're hunting mines, and then the next minute you're uh, taking money, taking some blood money. That's how it, that's how the world is. I yeah, I wouldn't trust any any private detective sleuth. I think they are staunchly in the realm of of fiction, but they're delightful in fiction, and I love them there. So always going to enjoy that.
1: How he even make his money? Is this school teacher paying him for all this?
0: Well, he has a boyfriend. Hugh Grant seems to be like a some sort of artist. Maybe he's supporting them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Benoit go off on his little adventures. Like you do with me. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I'm harried. Hugh Grant answering the door, being like, "What the fuck bullshit is this?" And you're like, "Oh, I gotta go to Greece. Bye." If you were Hugh Grant, wouldn't you be like, "Can't they?" Can't I go to Greece too? Can't I take a break from all this fucking art? Jeez. Now I'm just getting mad.
1: <laughs> so you think Hugh Grant's been taken advantage of?
0: No, I just think Hugh Grant does a lot of work for the relationship. Uh, maybe he doesn't get a lot of thanks. And, you know, he should be made to feel that he's cared about too.
1: So is that something else you'd like to see in the third movie? Not just the ops, but no, Hugh, I don't, he, ta- he takes Hugh Grant for a nice little steam vacation? I don't
0: think so. I, I, if you were Hugh, Hugh Grant probably went on one of these adventures early on and then like, was this like, no, I'm not like, <laughs> I just want to do my art. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, but yeah, it was, it was a cute movie. I think you're probably going to warm up to it over time. You did with Knives Out. Remember, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, grumble, grumble. But then later on, you're like, oh, Knives Out. What a swell (laughs) picture that was. (laughs) I think, I think, I think, like with, I just think with mysteries, oftentimes, like the buildup for me is so much more fun where you're kind of putting all the things in play what's going to happen, ooh, who's going to get murdered. And then you see it all kind of it all starts and then eventually like you find out what really happened and you're like oh okay like you know it's just not as exciting as yeah, the this, build up
1: this movie got a lot less interesting once people started dying
0: yeah Or
1: just like, a bunch of eccentric people having a party yeah you were you
0: were like yeah let's stay at the party yeah eccentric people having a party making catty comments about each other you're starting to piece together what all the relationships are and see them doing wacky and delightful things uh, you know, and just being awful rich people. So,
1: that was funny. So, who was your favorite suspect or supporting character?
0: I don't know. Let me think about that. Who was yours?
1: Uh, I enjoyed Catherine Han as the politician.
0: Yeah, she might have been my favorite, too. Because I I could relate to that a little bit.
1: Uh, the men's rights YouTuber.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's you. That's how you're trying to be. <laughs> Going around with your little gun. <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't really, I wasn't really much into men's rights until after I met you.
0: <laughs> then you started feeling like your voice is being silenced.
1: Yeah, you know, maybe these people who talk badly about women, maybe they have a point. <laughs> I was your red pill. <laughs> Jesus.
0: Yeah, I, I, I thought the side characters were all fun. I thought it was a fun... It was a good group. It was every you know. It was a good mix of like people who were kind of more on the rational side of things, and then people who were just totally eccentric. And uh, and then like the the main billionaire just coming off as like a total douchebag. Seemed pretty apt.
1: <laughs> so my misremembering remembering was he once the Hulk. Ed Norton. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So who was your favorite Hulk?
0: Oh, I don't have one. I've never seen any of those movies. I have no interest. I, I, I
1: thought you were a big Mark Ruffalo fan. I I have no,
0: I, I've seen, I, I saw Thor Ragnarok, what was it, Thor Ragnarok, I think. I don't know.
1: So does that put you in the Ruffalo Hulk camp?
0: Kevin, I don't give a shit about the Hulk. That's the most boring, I, I, I'm sorry. I know, I know that that, what about Bill Bixby? I know that, I know that TV series was foundational for you. But to me like oh i turn green and get big when i'm angry that's just like that's who has time for that that just exasperates me the concept like okay like i, I don't want to know anything more about that like if you tell oh i wear a little red cape and i fly around and i'm a reporter sure i can i can fuck with that i dress up like a bat and fight people great but for some reason like i turn into a green angry guy wouldn't you just be like, "Listen, I can't just get the fuck out of my house. Like, don't you know? Don't ma- smash all my stuff because you got mad at the TV. I just,
1: I can't. It's just too much." Do you think it, it speaks to something intrinsic in human nature that we all have a certain rage and anger inside of us, and when we express that anger and rage, we become more powerful than we would otherwise?
0: I I don't care. it, it it's so boring to me. It's so boring to me. So I don't I don't have a favorite Hulk. I don't know. I'm sure there was some drama. What, what? What? There was, oh, we had this Hulk, and then we had that Hulk. Oh, no, and everyone was talking about it. I've never, I've always avoided the Hulk discourse.
1: It's interesting that you avoided it so much. That says something about Oh, you about think your, I'm the Hulk? I'm just saying, it's like you're you're afraid of the anger that's represented no, by Hulk. No, I'm not
0: afraid. I, I think I, I exhibit my anger frequently and without warning but I, I just I, I don't yes, need you're to watch
1: terrifying it. to live with
0: <laughs> I just don't I don't I don't need to have some guy be yelling and like in sometimes he's like just he just turns into a big guy but he's still relatively rational and then other times he's not and it's like I just I don't fuck with this it's boring to me it just seems like a fucking nuisance <laughs> I was glad there's no hulks in this movie <laughs>
1: Well, Ed Norton was in it.
0: Yeah, but he wasn't hulking out. Not that we saw on camera. <laughs> he was just being a douchey tech bro.
1: Leslie Oldham Jr. was in it. Wouldn't he make a good Hulk?
0: I, 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 I'm not going to contribute to the Hulk discourse. Leslie Oldham Jr. was in it. He was the uh, scientist. So I guess you're saying that he could have, you know, maybe he would have invented stuff and then
1: become the Hulk, but I just. The big bodybuilder guy kind of looked like a Hulk guy. No? I
0: would have just walked out. So you could say everyone could have turned into the Hulk.
1: <laughs> or <laughs> let, let's not be sexist, or they could have become the She-Hulk. There you go. The She-Hulk, of course, is I think warrior. you're
0: disappointed in every movie that doesn't have the whole cast turn into some version of the Hulk.
1: The She-Hulk was a lawyer.
0: Yes, I know. They just came out with a series or like a series on it.
1: Interesting that you've been keeping up on She-Hulk news. But not on
0: whole news.
1: This is what did that say about you? This is you? why you became a
0: men's rights activist. That's right. <laughs> Jesus. You're not a men's rights activist. <laughs> I just want to clarify that.
1: Yes, we're just having fun here.
0: Jesus. <laughs> that would be a scary thing. <laughs> um, But yeah, what would you like to see from the third film that they're going to make? Presumably, unless this one bombs, I guess.
1: Oh, this one's not going bomb.
0: Yeah, I don't think it is. People like this shit, and for good reason. It's fun. Uh, what What do you, what would you want to see? I gave you my snowy, alpine vision. What's your vision board for Knives Out 3, the knifening?
1: Uh, I'd like to see a movie with Daniel Craig and some expensive locale with rich people, and I'd love for it to have a lot of distracting celebrity cameos.
0: Yeah. Who is your number one? They already got they got R.I.P. to Sondheim, R.I.P. to Angela Lansbury. They got them. So, so
1: is that like the Ryan Johnson curse? Maybe, but so if you go if you're cameo in one of these movies, you're dead.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: watch out, jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jeez, who would you be careful, Ethan Hawke?
0: Ethan Hawke, yeah, he was in it for five minutes. Uh, what, what for you? Who would your random celebrity cameo that you want to see in the third one. So it's all snowing. He's skiing. He's on the ski lift. He turns around. Who is he sitting next to?
1: Mark Spitz. The swimmer? Yeah, that'd be be, be a surprise.
0: (laughs) It took me a minute. (laughs)
1: Okay. No, I gave one. You give one.
0: Michael Phelps, <laughs> two two of the most decorated Olympians, both swimmers, both unclear why they're in the film. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar
1: was in this movie.
0: Yeah, that felt like I mean he's a respected like movie critic. He does his own thing, so I could see, like I could understand him being Benoit Blanc's friend who's like doing a Zoom intervention for him, but uh,
1: Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also. Uh... Does uh, mystery novels about Minecraft Holmes? That's really
0: fun. Good for him. Yeah, I like. I remember we, we watched a bunch of movies on his recommendation. Yes, some of them were pretty bad. You, of
1: course, you make it sound like we're his personal friend. Yeah, of course,
0: we was doing with him too. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the get the Kareem takes. No, anyway, I think he has like a little delightful. I think his like blog is you know his movie blog is delightful. So uh, would he would he review Glass Onion or is that like a conflict of interest because <laughs> was in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah get get some swimmers in the next one mark spitz obviously the most decorated olympian before michael phelps uh he swam with a giant mustache before they knew what like swim caps were and uh
1: maybe johnny weissmuller
0: yeah get him in there another indiana swim. hoosier and he's a swimmer now spitz i don't think was from indiana but he swam for iu sure. so it's all connected <laughs> It's just gonna be a swim mystery. <laughs> Would not you love that?
1: A swimming mystery in the swimming Alps. Swimming
0: mystery in the Alps. They're all gonna <laughs> they're gonna, gonna swim in this fancy heated pool in the in the winter. No, I want like a snow thing. I don't want. I, I, yeah, I, it's gonna be a snow.
1: So you want to be like a, a skier who, who uh, cameos.
0: I think. Yeah. I I I don't know any winter sports people. I I like the swimming theme, but we'll have to we'll have to workshop it. I mean, my thing is, I think Benoit Blanc is like kind of, he's supposed to be kind of like an entryway into the mystery, the person they're telling everything to, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think he's necessarily, I think he's often like not the, it seems like a pattern, a purposeful pattern that he's not the guy getting shit done. That seems to be a conscious choice on Ryan Johnson's part, as opposed to like a mistake. Like when you look at like Indy and Raiders of the Lost Ark, he's not really getting anything done. He's just kind of following stuff around. So, um, but this seems to be more purposeful. So just interesting. I, I don't know what to make of that, but, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't mind it. I, I enjoyed this. It made me smile, made me feel good thoughts in my head. So <laughs> that's an Anya Kane, thumbs up. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody.
1: It made me have good thoughts in my head.
0: You know, in my head, that's a pretty uh, good day. <laughs> made my brain release the good chemicals. <laughs> I'd say that I enjoyed looking through the bent back tulips to see how the other half live, looking through the glass onion.
1: Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenlee, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at com.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me that's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on facebook and instagram
1: and you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com
0: we're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s so all of those spell out two as t-o thanks Thanks so much much for listening. listening